This podcast covers sensitive topics. Content warnings can be found in the episode descriptions. We may also discuss major serious spoilers, so be warned. Procedural generation. Hello, and welcome to Procedural Veneration, an untrue crime podcast where we talk about rate and goof on all the crime procedurals you've watched way too many times. As always, I'm your co-host, Daphne. And I'm your tired, tired co-host, Hank. Using our highly scientific evaluation system, we'll weave our way through dark back alleys and dirty crime scenes to definitively answer the questions, which crime procedural is the best, and two, how many spin-offs of popular procedurals are we willing to sift through? Keeping that record steady at one this time around. Yep. We're, we're deep in uh, the spin-off. Deep, deep in the, the mind of a criminal, one could say. Yeah, a criminal that doesn't care about borders, perhaps. Yeah, because well, <laughs> I, that's not really the case. They're just outside the U.S. Yeah, today um, we are once again checking off our spin-off bucket list yeah. with the infamous Criminal Minds Beyond Borders. Oh, boy. Sports a nice 6.1 out of 10 on IMDb. This show is a casual two full stars below its parent show, Criminal Minds, in its ratings. And it feels a lot more than that. <laughs> Airing in 2016, it only lasted two seasons and 26 episodes. The shock, I tell you, a shock. Which, if we can say anything, is at least double the number of episodes Criminal Minds' suspect behavior got. And I refuse to believe that's really a thing, so... Forrest Whitaker would disagree with you. Yeah, Forrest Whitaker can... Lick- hmm, interesting. <laughs> I think we might have to cut you telling Forrest Whitaker to... Whit- okay, sorry. Forrest Whitaker can... I don't know... <laughs> I think that will also have to get cut. Seems like slightly too obscene. But All right. Yeah, so uh, Criminal Minds Beyond Borders. BB. BB. The general premise is that the main characters are a part of an FBI international response team devoted to helping Americans in trouble overseas. The TMI. <laughs> the IRT. The PRI. <laughs> Public Radio International. Uh, MPR, um, which one, doesn't exist, and two, is not really how international law works. Nope. It's also funny because they show up with vests that say PRI on it, and it's like... IRT? IRT, whatever. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> and it's like, nobody knows what that is. <laughs> like, you should just have FBI on your vest. Mostly. Or like USA or something yeah, like or that. Yeah, or US whatever. I, yeah. Make it make sense. U.S. law enforcement. Yeah, uh, it's dumb. Kind of a bad concept. Yeah, they have. They also have a cargo plane as their base, which is kind of cool. That's kind of cool. It's it's neat, but it would be more befitting for like I don't know an international band of high strung racing slash espionage thieves. Yeah, they're a big family, you could say. Yeah, big family. You, black muscle cars in any continent. You As guys you, should all watch Fast and the Furious. <laughs> yeah, the only people who are allowed to have cargo planes as their 
base of operations is the Fast and Furious team. It's not even their Sorry. base of operations. They just always have them at their disposal. <laughs> <laughs> their base of operations is a house in Los Angeles. Sorry, we can't spend this whole podcast talking about a much better franchise. I, we could, though. <laughs> we could do a hard pivot. I, I'll do it. <laughs> okay, so as you may have gathered, Criminal Minds Beyond Borders, which we'll just shorten to Beyond Borders, um, is a, a pretty poorly not, regarded not show. Not CMBB? <laughs> Yeah, CMBB is a pretty poorly regarded show. It was kind of spawned off the success of Criminal Minds. As most spinoffs are. Yes. And even had its own like shoehorned backdoor pilot. I um, do remember that. Yeah, yeah. I, I recognize both. I mean, I, I know Daniel Henney because of his uh, stellar role in a garbage TV show that is Lan Almendragora in The Wheel of Time, but also from that episode where he's in as a soft pilot. I don't remember Gary Sinise being in that episode, weirdly enough. I also don't remember Gary Sinise. I think being. it's just easy to filter out a white dude who's leader of some organization because that's pretty much every episode. There's like always a sheriff or a police sergeant who's yeah. interfaced in criminal minds, and so... Filter out him, but you remember the lady and Daniel Henney. So. <laughs> so all I can say is that Gary Sinise's performance is not uh, unmemorable. Daphne and I had a catchphrase while we were watching this. Whenever there was a line that was like off or there was an awkward pause that probably wasn't intentional and it was just like Gary fighting through some really bad dialogue, Daphne and I would just look at each other and say, hey, Gary, can we take that again? <laughs> and the other would respond, no. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> so we're getting ahead of ourselves. I yeah. haven't we we haven't discussed who's actually in this. It doesn't yet. matter. The show sucks. <laughs> <laughs> so, Three out of ten. Let's just end the podcast. Okay, wait, wait. We have to. The crazy thing about this show, right, is that we have some procedural royalty in it. We have Gary Sinise. Yeah. As we have previously discussed, we have Tyler James Williams, who's now probably Marty. <laughs> Monty is what his name is. <laughs> Probably most well known for Abbott Elementary at the present moment, but also is Chris, and everybody hates Chris. Uh, Alana, and also Marty in this show. <laughs> Alana de la Garza, um, who had an extended stint in Law and Order. And of course, Daniel Henney, who, as Hank discussed, is laying in the Wheel of Time. Laying <laughs> Almandragorin. But uh, truly seems like they uh, punched us up with a promising cast, which somehow really flubbed everything about what was going on. Like well, I can't tell you if it was the cast or the writing or just the situations so, in general. So I did notice. I did notice that one thing is that they, they they travel to other countries and film these episodes. We saw an episode in Mumbai, an episode in Spain, Spain yeah. and an episode in Mexico. But they definitely like take the crew from that location. Like they don't bring a crew around with them, right? So the episode from Mumbai one hundred percent had a lot of like. Indian cinematography cues in it. Oh, and like the the Spanish one also had a lot of Spanish cinematography cues in it. And it's just very interesting. It means that the the motif or the emotion of the show isn't always super coherent in terms of the hey, cinematography. Hank, what? Are you under the impression that they actually film in these locations? Because let me tell you. Do they you, not? They do not. What? Are you kidding <laughs> they me? They largely film in LA as far as my understanding. Well, yeah, for like random stuff. But like there's times where they're just literally out in Mumbai. Most of the filming of the show is not done in the actual countries. Well, I look like an idiot now. To my understanding. You yeah. could be you could be right. There's no way there's no way they, they build out that set compared to like I'll Google it right now. Because like Mumbai is like a hub for filming in India, right? So like they have a bunch of stuff. This just says it was filmed in St. Petersburg. Okay, well so so yeah, so they they do they have to go on location for something. 
I recognize that there is definitely parts of this that are 100% filmed in Los Angeles, but like there's also definitely parts of this that are on location. Yeah, after some level of Googling, it appears that some of it is filmed on location. But it's not like 90% of it. It's more like, I think, 10%. Right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, whatever they can get away with not filming on location, they do so. Yeah, there's no reason to film basically any interior shot unless it's very boutique interior, right? Or literally a monument or something. Yeah. It really doesn't matter because this show's awful. (laughs) So the primary reason it seems to be unliked uh, was a combination of content and then general timing of it its existence which we'll get into but so let's let's talk about this content and then i think the rest will start to fall into place yeah so to paint a picture let's consider the opening for this show you get like a dramatic animation of like the globe (laughs) with international response team like curling around it like it's the opening to some like news segment yeah and then gary sinise's voice serenades you he says over 68 million americans leave the safety of our borders every year if danger strikes, the FBI's international response team is called into action. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then it gets into the episode. So yeah, the, the element of this animation is just wacky. Gary Sinise's voiceover is just off. Flat. Flat. And then there's still also an intro sequence to the show that is essentially just taking the motif of Criminal Minds intro sequence, which famously is very similar to the opening of the Reba show. Look it up. Compare them. But... It, it kind of is like, you don't need two of them, but <laughs> you can just do the one. It's always fun. It's very funny to see the the line drawn to wherever they're going. And then just like you see the crime happen there. I don't know. It just, yeah, it's, it's very goofy. It's very silly, especially in the one episode we watched, uh, which we'll, I'll, I'll save that for later. Because okay, I, okay. I like how upset it made me. <laughs> yeah. So that's not inherently why it's a bad show, but that's just kind of the vibe that we're going for. Everything kind of comes across as goofy and like, Americans are unsafe traveling outside our borders. And the general consensus of critics is that Beyond Borders, or BB, BB. Uh, relies on the same characters and story. This is a quote. Same characters and storylines that franchise has used for years with an extra undertow of xenophobic paranoia. That seems wholly accurate. <laughs> so let me read you some formal reviews. Lovely. USA Today said, Bad things can happen anywhere, but the idea of a weekly show promoting the damaging fantasy that American tourists in Thailand or India are all in constant danger of having their throats cut or organs harvested is just wrong. And doing so in ways that play off our worst jingoistic... Jingoistic? Jingoistic, yeah. Got you. Yeah, yeah. Prejudices is worse. Yeah, I can't argue with that. The Hollywood Reporter said, On criminal minds, unsubs are aberrations, but on Beyond Borders, they're products of their non-American environments. Lurking in wait for tourists, young tourists, as their parents huddle at home in misery. Yeah, it's like easy to see how you could be like, oh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> unsubs aren't just products of American culture, right? But you have to be very careful <laughs> when making a show for another culture about other cultures when, so that you're not just portraying it as like a natural progression, right, <laughs> yeah. of these uh, otherworldly customs, right, to progress to violence. <laughs> yeah, and the show was um, a part of uh, Slate's thesis that CBS was purposefully catering to racists for better views and ratings. Interesting. I have this quote for you. It was March, in the heat of the presidential primary season, when CBS debuted Criminal Minds Beyond Borders, the network's newest serving of paranoid procedural comfort food, this time with a globetrotting twist. Its storylines and scenes are xenophobic in conception and fear-mongering in execution. American women kidnapped in rural Thailand. 
a young man's kidney mysteriously stolen in an Indian slum. We watched that episode. Uh, a dark-skinned man intimidating an American child on vacation. They fit neatly with campaign rhetoric that exaggerated the dangers lurking outside America's borders. And for the escapism-seeking viewer compelled by such nativism, the series likely struck a chord. It certainly won the CBS seal of approval, despite critical pants, widespread accusations of racism, and so-so ratings. Beyond Borders was renewed for a second season in May. This kind of this makes sense actually because in 2015 you have CBS hiring James Corden, and in 2016 <laughs> you have them airing Criminal Minds Beyond Borders, all in an attempt to get Donald Trump elected. This this is making sense to me. Yeah, yeah, I definitely believe that James Corden is individually responsible. For yeah, this. no, I'm going to blame James Corden for this one. <laughs> And just to add to that little fun excerpt and timeline, um, in February 2016, Les Moonves, I don't know, the CEO of CBS, said that Trump's running for president was, quote, damn good for CBS. And then uh, Beyond Borders piloted two weeks later. Ugh. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, it's not. <laughs> oh, no, it, it totally checks out, right? For, a, yeah. for hey, let's, I mean, CBS has a network television for a while aging population, right? Primarily, they were speaking to people who <laughs> watched CSI for a very long time. Yeah. So it, it, it does check out, I guess. But I don't know if it's necessar- necessarily as conspiratorial as that. Yeah. Crack yeah, out. yeah. I've yeah, I've given a very conspiratorial um, view of what's going on. I think that it was a less conspiratorial cash grab, right? Yeah. I mean, 100% their news cycles were the worst, more explicit cash grab slash conspiracy, right? But it, it does check out. And it's not just like random news sites, specifically like left-leaning news sites that are like, this is racist or whatever. Um, yeah. One episode of Beyond Borders caused a bit of an international incident because Ooh. it was so wrong and racially stereotypical that the Singapore Tourism Board had to make an official response to it. Oh, no. Big yikes all around. Are you going to talk about that? or I have a trivia question related to it. like a to cop it. out to me. <laughs> so, I mean, if you, if you have any questions, I can try and answer them as best as I can. Not really. This show, just what a, what a load, you know? Yeah. I will say when I was looking on IMDb, which I know is not the most accurate. What are you talking about? For essentially every episode, if you go to the goofs section, <laughs> it has like, oh, I didn't know people drove on the right side of the road. <laughs> In this country. And it's just really funny because when I was looking for dirt on Beyond Borders, I found an interview with one of the writers for the show. There were a bunch of them, but he wrote a couple episodes talking about how he was so committed to accuracy. And he also wrote for CSI, fun fact, and how like it was so important to him that he do his research in every part of like a script be accurate. And then I was like reading on IMDb about how like, oh, this episode got the country's capital wrong. <laughs> and, like in this episode, they were driving on the wrong side of the road or like yeah. this clearly was not taken in this country. Yeah, I didn't really think about it when we were watching, but I'm pretty sure in the Mumbai episode that I, 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 and I know they drive on the left side in India, but I don't know if necessarily a lot of their cars are constructed with the driver's seat on the right side. But I remember that the like one car we saw on the yeah. driver was on the left side, which is like really not that big of a deal in a certain sense, but it's just really funny to talk yeah. about how like you pride yourself on accuracy and then you just have such like minor ignorant mistakes, you yeah, know, for sure. It's like very clearly no one that was actually experienced with this culture was writing. <laughs> feels like a weird sort of gap fill, right? Where you're just letting people fill in the gaps in the script or in the shoot plan or the, the plan for 
filming, right? And then that in the gap is where these idiosyncrasies and the errors are going to occur, right? And it just kind of screams of the overall issues of production that (laughs) this was able to happen in the first place, right? Yeah, and like 90% of the writers were white dudes from LA. Oh yeah, 100%. I mean, they were all super busy campaigning for Donald Trump too, so. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So let's get into our reviews, I guess. Reviews? Okay. I did not write a whole lot here. The primary thing I have written down is, hey Gary, can we take that again? Because I think (laughs) that perfectly sums up what this show was and what it could have been in that, you know, we need a redo. And if we're not going to get a redo, then this thing's going straight in the toilet. You know, it's not good. But those are my thoughts. Yeah, I would say it's better than CSI Miami in my mind. Interesting. But just barely, right? Just in that, like, CSI Miami was, like, at times unwatchable. I could for sure see this being unwatchable. That's fair. That's fair. It's just that I don't think that that really happened in the three episodes unless you count the part where the bulls were on screen in the Spain episode and our dog freaked out yeah (laughs) those were kind of unwatchable because I had to calm down our dog (laughs) yeah this is not like animals on television yeah maybe this is just on par with CSI Miami well CSI Miami isn't as racist that that's what that's what my my kind of (laughs) I don't even know if that's true I don't think it's as harmful though right because Miami sucks anyway right (laughs) so what's the worst you're gonna do you know be offensive Sure, that's not great. Be problematic. But this is just a whole lot of issues and easily very, very problematic. And as you mentioned, possibly damaging to U.S. international relations. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like getting Donald Trump elected, as this show single-handedly did. Yeah, it was specifically Criminal Minds Beyond Borders' fault. I think that I would give it, I would say one, my, my general review is that it feels lazy and boring And, like, every single actor on screen is being forced to act at gunpoint. (laughs) Sometimes they they kind of are. Sometimes they kind of are. Um, And nearly unwatchable, my opinion, because of how boring and uh, et cetera it is. So I'll give it a hot 5.8. That's quite a bit. I was going to think, like... At most of 4.8, I think. It's just kind of, it's so meh, especially coming out of The Closer and Criminal Minds, which That's were both true. kind of surprisingly good. Like, I've seen a lot of Criminal Minds, and it, it surprised me how much I was enjoying watching it again, right? And The Closer was obviously a, a sleeper hit. So I just can't, I don't think I can rate it that highly, you know? No, that's fine. That's <laughs> we'll fine. find a middle ground later, though. Let's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's get into whatever you have up for me next. Uh, We got... We got some trivia. So uh, it was once again kind of hard to find trivia. Not surprising. There's like no information about. <laughs> you should have just done a bunch of Wheel of Time trivia. <laughs> I consider doing a bunch of Gary Sinise trivia. Yeah. We're over Gary Sinise. We I talked know. about this. Especially after watching those episodes. Especially oh. after watching. We're going to have to watch some. What is it? CSI New York? Yeah. See well, if his performance is better. We're gonna. Yeah, we're going to have to compare. I, he, it must be, right? It has to be. It has to be. I don't remember it being that bad. He must have just really not liked working on this show, I imagine. So yeah, I had a hard time finding trivia. And so, you know. Some of this is reaching, <laughs> but I think it'll, I think you'll like uh, at yeah. least a couple of these questions. Oh, for sure. Especially if I get points out of them. So question one, which character was not in the Criminal Minds episode that served as a backdoor pilot for Beyond Borders and was in fact added in after the person who was declined to come back? I'm, I'm pretty sure that the main three, the main three leads in this, which is uh, 
Simmons, aka Daniel Henney, aka Lana Almendragoran. I know her last name, her actress's last name is Garcia. Alana Garza. de la Garza. Alana de la Garza, but I don't remember what the character's name is. Uh, and then Gary Sinise, of course, Jack, what's his face? The I I think I'm pretty sure all three of them had to be. So then your options so, so are my options are Monty or May. Yeah. And it would be extremely characteristic of the show that got Donald Trump elected to not have the person of color return. So I'm going to guess Monty wasn't in the... You are incorrect. You had the right idea. Um, I had written down, my hint was CBS hates women. Oh, okay. <laughs> it was, in fact, Alana de la Garza. Really? Yeah. I thought I remember. She was her. added in after the Was fact. there another woman? <laughs> yeah, there was a different woman. <laughs> Maybe I've seen Alana de la Garza in something else. Then. I mean, that's why my brain. SVU. <laughs> we didn't watch one of those episodes, though. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember. But yeah, so um, a different woman was supposed to be like the co lead with Gary Sinise, and then she was in the backdoor pilot, and then she eased out. <laughs> Got you. I said absolutely not. Yeah, I was gonna say that my 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 self doubt came because that a Garcia Monty lineup sounds sorry Marty Marty lineup sounds too perfect, and I feel like they wouldn't let him go after that, right? Mm-hmm. Anyway, all right. Do well, mean, do you mean Alana De La Garza, <laughs> or do you mean no, like Penelope Garcia, Garcia? Penelope Garcia okay. from from Criminal Minds, like in the episode. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sure they interacted because yeah, they yeah, fill yeah. the same role. Mm-hmm. I know what I'm talking. No, you're good. Yeah, so her character's name is Clara Seeger. She's the anthropologist. <laughs> oh, she is? Yeah, the team anthropologist. <laughs> okay. We're getting bones in here, I guess. <laughs> she's not a forensic anthropologist. She's just an anthropologist. Okay, sorry. You can tell because she- Look, bitch me out about it in the bones episode, Daphne. Okay, Don't okay, I will, I will, I will. <laughs> okay, two. What's the name of the show's theme song? Uh, you have no way to guess this, so please just give it your best shot. <laughs> it's I'm thinking like a one word thing. Like I don't even remember what it is. It was so generic, and it and like compared to Criminal Minds theme song, I, I don't. I, I wish I have to imagine it's like one short word indicating like panic or something like that, right? So I'm going to guess techno crime. <laughs> techno crime. Interesting. There's just actually in- interesting information about Criminal Minds, and so they don't have the name of the show's theme song on oh, its gotcha. uh, Wikipedia page. Yeah, the, the Beyond Borders theme song is Leave It to Stevie by Stevie J. All right. <laughs> I thought it was funny that it was Stevie J. It, was... it looks like it doesn't have a name. Criminal Minds main theme song is just the Criminal Minds main theme. Good for it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that happens, you know. Yeah, yeah. Good for Stevie J is all I gotta say. Yeah, usually they get names if like they actually like hired a artist yeah like cake or uh the who (laughs) they did not csi did not hire the who to make those things just licensed them and i don't (laughs) think chuck hired cake (laughs) yeah for sure not (laughs) what watch mojo video was beyond borders featured in top 10 worst spinoff shows you're pretty close okay top 10 most embarrassing spinoff shows uh we'll give you a half point (sighs) it's top 10 worst tv dramas ever oh that's that's dramatic. Yeah. <laughs> Ever is in all caps. That's a lot. It's <laughs> like really like the I the IMDb ratings were not that low, not as yeah. low as they should be for sure, right? It placed number 7th. Top 10 worst TV dramas ever. Number 6. What what's the what's the top of that list? I don't know. Okay, well, I got to hang on, I got to watch a watch mode. <laughs> yeah. So this is important this high school. This is important content. I think our viewers would also want to know what's at the top of the list. Lines Beyond Borders, number six. There you go. Oh. What? I had number seven. But... Oh, I don't know. I, I I thought you said number six and I just assumed. Uh, they don't actually have the rankings on these. Yeah. Viva, yeah, I don't know any of these other shows other than like Charlie's Angels as a remake, right? Yeah. They're, one of them is Cop Rock. 
We might have to watch Cop Rock. Yeah, write it down. I'll write it down. Hill Street Blues is also on here, and like that's a very famous show. Isn't wow. that one that your parents like? Uh, they don't. I don't think they like it, but it's just like they probably did when it was on because like everybody liked that show. I think. <laughs> okay, we can we can leave Watch Mojo. Yeah, for sorry, now. Watch Mojo. Um, my next trivia question is: Can you name the two TV shows that reference Beyond Borders in them? Reference Criminal Mind, and these aren't Criminal Mind shows. I no. think it cool. These are actually two shows that you're very fond of, that you've seen quite a bit of. But I'm very fond of these shows. You haven't, you definitely haven't seen one of these episodes, um, but you have definitely seen the other. I'm very fond of these shows, though I have. So they're referencing these in a capacity that in the universe, assuming these are even fictional shows, Criminal Minds Beyond Borders exists and they're yes. making fun of it, I assume. Yes. So I'm looking for a recent sitcom that I enjoy. Mm hmm. Or some kind of... Con- I mean, yeah, I don't... Oh, what have I seen recently that I like or that came out in this span? We'll focus on the first one first. Um, okay. This one's on Amazon. This one's on Amazon. Fun show. Highly regarded. Highly regarded. That I like. Yeah, that you've seen every episode the of. The Boys? It is The Boys. They mentioned Criminal Minds Beyond Borders? What yeah. What the hell? Uh, can you <laughs> guess uh, what character mentions it? I, I don't know. Apparently, this was according to IMDb, and I didn't fact check it. Is it Carl Urban? Stormfront. Stormfront mentions Beyond Mentions Borders. Criminal Minds Beyond That's Borders. so funny, because it's <laughs> definitely a reference to the fact that, like, it was a scare tactic in 2016, or, like, yeah. picking up on the rise of the alt-right in 2016. Yeah. <laughs> That's really funny, yeah. actually. I thought that you'd like that one a lot. <laughs> pretty good. Spoilers for The Boys Season 2. Uh, Stormfront is a Nazi. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you'd like that really good poll of like... It's really good. Yeah, a that's... normal TV show that has like a lot of really weird racial undertones. God, that's... Uh... No, you have to guess the other one. The other one? That's right. I think it's on Fox. This one's on... Uh, it's Always Sunny? No. No? That's on FX. This is on Actual Fox? I believe so. Okay. Don't look over here. I don't know what I've seen recently on Actual Fox. But you you watched it with your family a lot? I watched a Fox show with my family. I mean, The Simpsons could reference it. It is The Simpsons? Yeah, of course I haven't seen that one. <laughs> yeah. And apparently, um, in one episode, Homer is gets a job as a TV recapper. Okay. And so it appears on a TV screen. Gotcha. While Homer is doing his TV. Okay, yeah. I was going to say, they don't do like, they don't do just like out of context lampoons like Family Guy does. So I had to be weirdly specific to actually include a real television show, right? Yeah. Family Guy would just be like, this, man, this drink is worse than the time. When Gary Sinise is (laughs) acting on. Gary Sinise is acting on Criminal Minds Beyond Borders. Sorry, CMBB. CMBB. And I knew that you'd both like this poll and not like it because it's your least favorite neolib Simpsons. <laughs> yeah, New Simpsons is kind of neolib and bad, everybody. Sorry to break it to you. I'm sure you haven't seen it in a long time, but it's no one has sucky now and it's also bad politically. <laughs> really got a lot of hot takes. Yeah, diving deep on this one. <laughs> yeah, sorry, guys. This is the episode that gets our podcast canceled. Yeah, if, if this podcast gets canceled, maybe I'll finally be able to finish The Wheel of Time. <laughs> <laughs> also i like that we're acting like anyone other than us has the capacity to cancel, to our, cancel podcast. our podcast yeah. <laughs> i'm so hank i'm getting a call from the network executive i think you and i are just talking out of like sheer anxiety that either one of us will stop doing the podcast at any given moment if yeah we get too problematic yeah i think that then we'll have to get divorced too yeah oh for sure for sure i can't i can't i can't sleep ne- next to my former podcast co-host <laughs> Like the worst timeline imaginable. Yeah, it's actually it was in our vows, uh, you know, till death do do us part, Unless or we start a podcast. podcast. 
Yeah, unless we start a podcast and um, we have to end it because of. For sure. Yeah. Uh, which one, do you want, Bean or Dar? Cat or dog is your is your choices here. Um, in the divorce. In the divorce. Yeah. Um, I'm just, actually, I'm just, I'll take Gary Sinise, please. You're gonna take Gary Sinise. So I get I have to deal with both of our stinky, trashy pets, and you get an old man. <laughs> I get an old man. I can't argue with, with that one. I didn't realize that one of us would have to have custody <laughs> of Gary. Of Gary. Yeah. <laughs> Next, actual last question here. Which of these is a questionable choice made in the episode that caused international comment? Oh, boy. So this is like a multiple choice. Yeah, and maybe I'll be able to guess it based on the severity of of what could be taken. One, Gary starts the episode with the made-up Singaporean proverb, where there is a sea, there are pirates. Okay, keep going. Two, the team anthropologist says, Singapore is the embodiment of income inequality. It has a lot of poverty, human trafficking, and a lot of crime. All right. Three, directly stating that Singaporean police are incapable of solving murders because there aren't enough murders. Like this is Demolition Man. Interesting. I might actually go with that one because I do know that crime rates are relatively low in Singapore because of how severe they treat every single crime. Um, so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the latter option here and guess that they portrayed Singapore as essentially a la Demolition Man, as you said, incapable of comprehending murder. You are kind of correct. I'll give you a half point. They're all correct. They're all correct. Got it. Got They're it. Got all it. Got correct. It. I should I should have suspected something, but I didn't. I'll be honest. So I got these from. If you, a... want, if you want, you can give me a half point on that, and then it'll balance out the half point you gave me earlier in this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry, not stupid because of you. Stupid because you gave me a half point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Oh, and you got a full point for the two TV shows. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I I got that. So two points total. Two points total. Yeah. Yeah. I got those inaccuracies from blog post from someone who is Singaporean yeah lives in Singapore and they had made a blog post cataloging all the weird inaccuracies a lot of them were also like there was like a b-roll that was like very clearly in LA which was funny too yeah and there was like a lot of people speaking Mandarin (laughs) Oh, oh boy there's just something about being like yeah the police in this surveillance state can't solve crimes <laughs> uh-huh <laughs> sure yeah so there's a big 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 um emphasis on how bad the police were and also how bad the law system is and then also yeah talking about how singapore is a terrible 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 place yeah uh, and i and i'll make it clear we're not passing any judgments on singapore we are not informed enough to do so so yeah <laughs> it's just a weird flex to have so many inaccuracies in your show and then come off swinging and i think I, i'm not entirely sure that exact context of the episode but i think it's two flight attendants and one of them murders someone mm. it's allegedly <laughs> um, yeah and so that's why it's and they're like engaged in drug trafficking i think is the idea but yeah so it's kind of weird yeah well with that out of the way i'm gonna run as far as possible away from this show and get clotheslined by our episode descriptions <laughs> go ahead and dive into those yeah so our first episode here is season six, episode one. Season six. Sorry. They wish. I legitimately wrote season six. Oh, I scrolled all the way up to where I had Criminal Minds notes. That's on me. Um, <laughs> this is season one, episode two, the the second episode of this series. The name of which is uh, uh, Harvested. Harvested. I thought it was that, but that seemed too on the point, <laughs> too on the nose. It's on the nose. Yep. And this one takes place in Mumbai, and essentially there is uh, somebody who has stolen. Stole a kidney from a American American in Mumbai celebrating Holly, who is partying, <laughs> and then his he, his friend is also missing. So the cargo plane police themselves are sent out immediately to go solve the crime. Uh, one of the very first things I noticed about this episode is there was 
absolutely zero character development. Nobody talked about anything other than the crime, which is a huge step away from Criminal Minds, which usually has like probably four minutes at least uh, on uh, total on either end of like what's going on with the characters. You know, you've got JJ's uh, insomnia setting up other stuff. And Smoking Hot Husband. Smoking Hot Husbands. You've got uh, Reed's whole deal, basically his entire arc. (laughs) Yeah, tons of stuff, and none of that happens here. They they're just here to solve the crimes, which is sort of takes the soul out of it a little bit because your characters are just robotic crime solvers. If anything, it's maybe like more accurate um, because you have these people who sit in a plane in silence together, not really wanting to talk to their coworkers any more than they have to. Yeah, except they do talk more than they have to because they just share things about Mumbai that seem to be in their debrief. <laughs> it's like, oh, this this uh, this. Uh, slum area, sorry if that's not the correct term, is like a famous for the organ harvesting trade. Yeah, like, would you like... Okay. Yeah, I'm sure that's in your case file and everybody read that. <laughs> <laughs> and then like just making like a random comment of like oh, blah 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 cricket fact. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, Daniel Henney, Lanel Mandragoran, I know cricket. <laughs> oh, interesting. That's, that's the bit of character development that he gets for this episode. I'm surprised no one was like can I have some chai? Some no, some chai tea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just pulled a Spider Man. Yeah, this entire show, it was like the writers were given like a list of facts about a given culture or country that they were just supposed to like insert like elementary vocab essay style into the script. Like yeah. that's what it came off across as. You get like a paragraph profile of each character, and then you just have to right as in in their voice but it all just sounds like any character could could say literally any line like an npc uh tidbit telling you uh, how to access your start menu yeah it's like all of these and all of these main characters if they were in a bethesda game would have the same generic voice actor (laughs) uh i'll say the first time that they said the word unsub in this episode i also reeled in horror because that is their word you can't have it gary Yeah, Gary's uh, saying the word unsub was... Very unconvincing. Unconvincing, unsubstantial, (laughs) unsatisfying. Unsubisfying, yeah. Anyway, the general plot of this episode is that they're curious because there's an organ harvesting ring, organ harvesting ring, but surely the organized crime would not be so sloppy as to grab a kid from the fairgrounds of this party that they're attending and rip out his kidney right kid dies can't live long without his kidney um you know of course you know, of course turns out the guy his friend was just lost his phone or i think had it stolen yeah so he was uncontactable but he'd just been partying for like the 24 hours since his friend went missing and was just fully on un- unfazed and unaware by his friend going missing too so bad friends yep bad friends there don't take bad friends to edm concerts in other countries at a cricket grounds, which is where Daniel Henney's cricket knowledge, or sorry, Lan Allen Dragoran, a.k.a. Simmons, cricket knowledge came in. Yeah. Uh, it turns out it's nothing to do with the organized crime led by, which is led by the voice actress for Symmetra, in case you're familiar with her from anything recently. Yeah, we stand Anjali. We stand Anjali. And in fact, it is just a, a local whose father was a victim of organ harvesting in a hospital nearby. And he's trying to recoup those lost organs before cremating him uh, in order to get him a better life, better next life in his reincarnation. Yeah. Uh, which is, you know, maybe you don't have to inject the religious elements of it, guys. <laughs> it 
it just feels a little bit off which there's religion plays heavily into two of well three no all three of the episodes yeah all three of the episodes yeah so there's other things to culture if you really feel like you have to go in with your one paragraph and a textbook knowledge of hinduism or they read the wiki page okay (laughs) spanish catholicism and try to invent a crime out of it. You could go for something that's maybe not, I don't know, uh, one of the ma- the largest practiced religions in the world, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then also, you you know, you get the Dan Brown, obviously, had his hands in all this. Yeah, Dan R- Brown, R- obviously. Dan Brown. Every time a religion looks bad from something, you know that it's Dan Brown. Religion, murder, conspiracy, it's all Dan Bad Brown. acting. Bad acting. <laughs> bad acting out of a two-time Academy Award win, back-to-back Academy Award winner, Tom Hanks. Go watch The Da Vinci Code. It's trash. <laughs> That's not Dan Brown's fault, That's though. Not yeah, I'll, I'll put that one on you, Ron Howard. Uh, and whoever directed the one with Ian McGregor in it. Ian McGregor. That was all, it was Ron Howard again. He did all of them. Ron. Yeah, Ron. No, Ron, Ron did not do a good job. It's, Come on, Ron. Okay, we can't, like, we can't talk <laughs> about like, this stuff. There's like eight bits of media that we've managed to insert into this episode, some of which are very recent, like the Spider-Verse. <laughs> That we're going to rely on everybody who listens to this podcast understanding in order to fully appreciate. Yeah. So, and you got mad at me because I wanted to deep dive, talk about my feelings on the Wheel of Time book 10. <laughs> Let's go back to this episode. Okay. So, um, <laughs> Good idea. There's not a not a whole lot to say about it, really. That's no, what, we not even said remotely. what happens. Um, they seemed kind of like the writers watched Slumdog Millionaire oh, and then used that as their touchstone for writing this episode. Uh, you got the scooping up the eyeballs with the spoon. Fun, fun, um, organ harvesting, stuff of the like. It was all very interesting. I'll tell you, tell you what, I, the vibe I got was, hey, let's look at our Apple calendars and see what holidays are showing up in March when this, this episode's going to air. Oh, <laughs> holy, okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But uh, it wasn't a very good episode. It no, was it wasn't. kind of boring. Some of the cinematography, like I kind of hinted at earlier, got into like Indian soap opera as well in terms of just blocking and framing and shaky cam and it was just very hard to ignore once I noticed that which I'm not sure how much of that was actually done by a production crew in Mumbai some I would I would guess for this one probably quite a bit because there was so much on the streets of Mumbai that it truly would have been a kind of a nightmare to film elsewhere I think but maybe I'm wrong maybe I'm an idiot yeah Maybe. Yeah, it was super crazy when um, in this episode, Gary Sinise prayed loved his way across Mumbai. Yeah, I didn't expect how they'd solve the crime in five minutes and then he would just uh, binge cry fuck his way through India, you know? Really crazy choice on there. Really, part. truly. Uh, yeah, that's there, there's not a lot to it. I don't. Did he shoot the guy at the end? Um, I don't think he shot he him. He dies either he way. He just like yeah, self immolates, right? Yeah, he self immolates. Very, very weird, uninteresting. And then Gary tackles the one remaining guy who hasn't been murdered, who hasn't been murdered through the windows of this hovel or the, the slum that they live in, which seems to have done quite a bit of damage to this man because he did put him first through the door. <laughs> yeah, but he's a hero. And then at the end, you see them bucket chaining with locals to dump water from right outside on to try to put out the fire. And it's like, ah, yes, our saviors. <laughs> Yeah, I have written down. They're not white saviors. They're white friends. The PRI or whatever. It's IRT. I don't know why I don't it's think so it is. International response no, team. No, that's not it. Oh, my God. <laughs> all right. That's really all there is to that one. Next one I do have a stuff for. Season one, episode 12, El Toro Bravo. Yep. Takes place in Pamplona, Spain, during the running right. of the bulls. Because yeah. when you think Spain... That's the first event that comes to mind. So got to have it. Collecting them all, right? Sure, there's no way we can offend people there. (laughs) 
But yeah, it very uninteresting. We follow three. The, it starts out seeing the crime committed. Three extremely mediocre American dudes who are running the Bulls during their trip to Pamplona, and seem I, I think I have the names Lou, Clint, and Kev written down. And <laughs> Clint gets kidnapped. And he gets his ears cut off. Then murdered. And then murdered, uh, which happens to be very similar to what happened last year when three Australians went missing, but their ear only their ears showed up. Yeah. Which is funny because, well, it's they said they only their ears showed up and then they found the bodies later, but then they kind of forgot about that part. Yeah, they didn't really ask a lot of questions about bodies throughout most of this episode. Or the Australians. Of, yeah, it was kind of confusing. You miss like one line of dialogue. It's like, we haven't found any bodies or we haven't found this guy's body and you're just confused the rest of the time. Another set of ears show up. Another guy goes missing. And then the third and final guy who ends up actually getting saved from the crime uh, gets kidnapped. Uh, As it gets revealed, they're like curious, is it animal rights activists who are angry at the Americans disrespecting the, you know, the ritual that is the running of the bulls, their last bits of freedom, right? Or is it like animal rights activists just angry about bullfighting in general. It's not, it's none of those things. Or religious was the other Or religious, option. yeah. It's none of those things. It is a caretaker of bulls who usually end up in the running, I think. And he's just angry because Americans are usually disrespectful. And in this case, Clint like peed in a fountain. And one guy was just mouthy about how he didn't think that the locals were actually believed in any of the sanctity of this ritual and just did it for tourism, which, you know, obviously not a great look kind of does become a thing with any given world famous tradition though. Right. It's heavily commercialized because that's how capitalism works. I think the other important thing plot wise is that um, he's actually also mad because like uh, last year or whatever, a bunch of animal rights uh, activists from America and Australia broke into his family's um, estate and let all the bulls loose. And in the process, two people got killed. And so then they had to kill the whole herd. Interesting. And so See, he was upset because essentially his whole family business was decimated because a couple animal rights activists tried to let his bulls loose and then people died. And of course, that's the fault of the people who are being disrespectful. So you got to kill those people. Yeah, you got to kill them. <laughs> Not the fault of the animal rights activists who got left mostly untouched the this episode also had slight, a slight twist because when you see the unsub doing the ear cutting or the organ grinding you hear a gruff voice which is like immediately criminal minds uh, or just general storytelling it sounds like it's in his head right like his father's what is the motivation for him to become a killer that's the only way he'll succeed in his father's eyes or whatever and get off sexually <laughs> but always important always important how how are they getting off from but in this case, his father's actually alive, and that's like the twist in the episode. They realize that, oh, crap, There's a th- this son is the sub. We need to find the dom. <laughs> and the father is still at their- The undom. The undom, yeah. The unsub and the undom. <laughs> the father is still at their bullpen with the guy preparing to kill him, and they manage to murder the father before he does so. Nothing too crazy. Yeah. I thought it was more interesting- than the organ harvesting one. I would agree. But still wasn't great. I mean, it's still boring as hell. The B plot of this is that the local priest of the Catholic Church, the son has been confessing to him. So the priest knows basically who's doing the murders and doesn't want to, you know, get excommunicated by revealing that to the police. I don't know how the legal system works for when you actually confess ongoing murders. Yeah. But I don't know if the Vatican looks down on you reporting that to the police. (laughs) 
Anyway. No, hey, the Vatican is always pro-laws. There's no history of covering up any on lo- ongoing criminal activity of any sort. Yeah. It's all on the up and up, Hank. No, I've never heard of any of this. Fuck the Catholic Church. Sorry, I'll take that stance. Feels like a good, feels like a, uh, a valid stance to take at this point. Anyway, <laughs> but yeah, uh, and that's like a B-plot because Jack, uh, our boy Gary, is a practicing Catholic and understands what the father's going through, but also really wants him to confess, which kind of sounds like you don't really understand what the father's going through, right? Yeah. Or, or not, doesn't want him to confess, right? Wants him to, to it, tell him who's doing it. And then the father gives off a, a cryptic verse from the Bible that's like Peter 555 or something. Yeah. Or 512 or something. And then they're like, oh, we're looking for somebody named Pedro who was born on May 12th. And it's like, okay, are you? (laughs) That's convenient. (laughs) Very convenient. And the verse is about shepherds. Yeah, the verse is about shepherds, of of which this man is effectively. (laughs) Hank, I have written down um, a question I wanted to ask you, which was, um, what's the name of the Dan Brown novel written um, based on this episode? Okay, so I'm looking at at his bibliography. Not that long, actually. Kind of surprising. I, guess, I mean, when you make the Da Vinci Code, you kind of kind of don't need to do a whole lot else, you know? Yeah. Uh, so there's not really there's not really anything I can get from this. But so I'll just I'll just go vibe check here. If Robert Langdon was in this position, which he essentially is all the time, constantly, we, we all know that. That's yeah. his character. I would say that this would be called like the Matador Massacre. <laughs> Matador massacre. I think it has to be a little bit more obtuse than. Yeah, that. that's a that's a little bit too pulpy. I think for the genre, for the genre, you know, maybe like Pamplona files or like the the priest of Pamplona. Honestly, I'll I'll just call it Bulls Run. I think that's good. Or maybe just Pamplona. Pamplona. Now, nah, I I think I, I like Bulls Run personally. I think that sound that's like evoking some action, and you can get some action scenes in there with the running the bulls, something yeah. getting gored, right? which obviously didn't happen in this one, but it would have been way more interesting. Somebody yeah, was, if he was it, using bulls to kill people instead yeah. of just treating them like he bulls. He was like drugging people before they... Do, we're writing a Better Criminal Minds episode. Oh my God, don't give it to him. No, we can't give it to him. I, I said that they deserve a redo. They do not deserve a redo with my ideas. Yeah, they can make their own goddamn Dan Brown ideas. I will sue. <laughs> uh, I, will, I need to say one thing I have written down, which is... Everyone delivers lines like they're in a Musa next commercial with varying <laughs> levels of enthusiasm about it. Yeah, and Gary is the is the uh, mucus monster. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> the uh, the one thing I have written down, which is the bit of character development we got in this episode for Simmons, who's apparently the only one that's allowed to have character development. Yeah, is that he was the he was Mr. July in the FBI calendar. Yeah, I don't know if it was in Danny, Daniel Henney's contract that he had to be appealed to here in that way, but. Or if they're just like really want you to be like, hey, see, this guy's like Derek is in Criminal Minds. Get it? Get it? He's hot. <laughs> like, yeah, I can see that. <laughs> so the final episode we have. Sorry, that was that was the median, then the worst. Now we have the quote unquote best episode, which is still, I'll say, problematic. <laughs> uh, I believe La Hasueda is how you would say this. Yeah, it's close enough. La Hasueda. Uh, I'm going to call it good enough. The season the H two- usually does not. La- Actually, no. Yeah. La Hasueda. Anyway, I don't know what it means. Didn't bother looking it up. Didn't really seem like it probably would matter that much to make me feel better with the episode. This is the ostensible best episode. Not that good. I'll say it. Season two, episode seven. Uh, I think we missed the IMDb ratings on these, but that was like a 6.8. I haven't. Yeah, that one was a um, 7.3, which is the 7.3. best. 7.3. Okay, sorry. Then 6.8 must have been one of the median. The median 6.8 ones. is the median and the 5.9 was the worst. Uh, this one's very funny. Ca- it's La Huesuda. La Huesuda. Okay. 
which Thank is you. the bony one, the according bony one. to Google Got Translate. It. Okay. I really would have loved it if they had maybe explored that a little bit more, but it feels like the level to which they explored the mythos of this episode was just offensive. Yeah. I will say, um, sadly, uh, la, hue, la huesuda is not a word they teach you in um, Spanish one, two, three, or four. So yeah. I just sadly don't know. Yeah. Get wrecked, Daphne. <laughs> That's why I take German because I know all German words ever. <laughs> this episode takes place in Mexico in the far off distant land of Tijuana, which I think is fucking hilarious. Sorry, I'll drop the one F-bomb we're allowed. You already said an F-bomb. You said fuck the Catholic Church. (laughs) Oh yeah, sorry. Uh, Drop the the second PG-13 F-bomb we're allowed. But I think it's so funny that this FBI team with a cargo plane is sent to a city that is not an hour's drive away from an actual like full-on FBI center in San Diego. Daphne's ignoring me. (laughs) Yeah, I am ignoring you. (laughs) So the uh, general vibe of this episode is that um, someone is killing random people and ritualistically displaying or altering their body in some way. So like the first one is just a random kid uh, who's an American high schooler who came over for his 18th birthday. And he's blowing chunks in the alley and gets ambushed by this person and then um, murdered and then his body gets strung up in a tree after being painted red then era you know the team gets involved and they assume that it's gang activity cartel activity sorry they assume it's cartel activity because that's the vibe so they have to call in help and that help just so happens to be gary sinise's son who's deep undercover in one of the cartels and so he pulls them out to get his help on this case because the local police have too much to handle and they're not very helpful. And then uh, someone else gets murdered and this time they're painted black and have like cigars shoved in their mouth and their arms cut off. And then um, another guy's murdered and he's like a... Actual cartel leader. Well, he's not cartel leader. He's a a priest that's associated with the cartel, but like a voodoo priest. And then... The police officer that they've been working with this whole time gets kidnapped. Is about to be ritualistically sacrificed, and they save him. Yeah. So it turns out the the unsub is unsubs because it's um, <gasps> two sisters whose brother disappeared last year uh, after he said he was going to cross the border and then um, bring them back over once he um, successfully crossed. But it turns out that he died while trying to cross um, into the United States, and they are in denial about that, and so they're sacrificing people to Santa de la Muerta in order to bring him back. That's pretty much all that's going on. Yep, and it's really not a good episode. Uh, it's not the... It, <laughs> I don't know. I think it's probably the best because it feels like maybe the most character development you get out of anything because Jack is sort of softly keeping his son from being undercover with the cartel. Yeah, the, and then at the Jack end, being Gary. Jack being Gary, yeah. I've, I've said it a couple times. Uh, and then at the end, he lets his son... Uh, go back into the wild, into the into the undercover in the cartel to be his own man. It's like, okay, cool, but I don't really care. <laughs> yeah, you can you can do all that stuff all you want, but narratively, not that interesting, right? Like, it's not there, there's not a lot of stake here. It's just whether or not he's going to be a good father, right? Uh, I guess there's a risk associated, but it's TV, so it's not like it's going to go anywhere. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, there there wasn't a whole lot to this episode. Not a lot of substance. Not sure why it was rated the best. Maybe because of the fun costumes and the skeleton outfits. Yeah. The second guy is also a bigamist. (laughs) The second victim, I should say. An American who lives in, like, New Mexico and then travels across the border and has a second wife and family in 
uh, out the outskirts of Tijuana, which is like, okay, <laughs> cool. Sort of in there as, a, as the world's worst red herring. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, of course, this doesn't have anything to do with it. It's incredibly boring and just shoehorned in. <laughs> I will say at one point, Gary tells he's like facing off against the cartel because he like went in there to question them. And he says, um, all you dirtbags look the same to me. Um, and then gets punched in the face. And I was like, oh, my God, Gary, you can't say that. And then it's revealed that the person he said that to was his son. So in my head canon, by that he meant that all of his children look the <laughs> same to him and he cannot tell them apart. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy? <laughs> Jeremy? Jeremy's dead, Dad. <laughs> and uh, I say that this episode had the energy of the worst CSI episode. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it literally had similar elements, too. So yeah. I actually had to look up and make sure that they weren't written by the same person. <laughs> Just somebody lazily submitting essentially the same yeah. plot, but to but with different flavor. To Could every... I have your procedural episode? Oh, I'm, I'm really running out of time on mine. Oh, yeah. Just change some of the answers a little bit. <laughs> oh, my God. There's a new procedural coming on NBC this week. Can you imagine when Tony Scott's episode gets made? Oh, my God. I can't wait to see what he does with Mexican obsession with a death god. <laughs> yeah, with voodoo magic. Yeah. Let's go ahead and uh, let's let's get into our last game. Okay, our final mini game I've called the Battle of Proverbs. So at okay. the beginning, yeah. um, that is usually has something to do with the country that they're going to. In this in this case, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and just generally, in the ones that we watched, yes, but also... Um, Sorry, I, I meant compared to Criminal Alliance, where it's just kind of tangentially about the subject matter oh yeah 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 this case they're just like here's a proverb from italy (laughs) (laughs) yeah okay (laughs) and so i have a list of proverbs here for you some of them are proverbs some of them i should say some of them are proverbs that are specifically pulled from um beyond borders episodes and some of them are from a mystery property got it so my one you're trying to guess which one's from beyond borders and which one's not and then also at the end guess or as soon as you can guess what the property is the mystery property See, here I'm at risk. Well, in, if you did this in Criminal Minds, I would be at risk of them still quoting it, right? Even if it's from, like, Teletubbies or something, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Bad example, but even if it's from Pixar's cars, I'd, they'd still be at risk of actually picking it, right? All right. Okay, my first one is, don't push past memories deeper inside of yourself. Let those memories breathe and let old wounds heal. Wild. So it sounds like a weird translation that probably sounds a lot better in a different language. So I have, I'm going to go with that as an actual proverb from BB. You are incorrect. That is from the mystery show. The what? The mystery uh, show. What is that? The property, the mystery property. Oh, oh, it's, it's not, it's, they're all from the same property. Yeah, 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 they're all from the same property. I thought you were going, I thought they were from different properties and you're going to unveil it. No, 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 they're all from the same or property. Unveil it after each question. Got it. Okay. okay. All right. Let's go for it. This is the second one. There are only two mistakes one can make along the road to the truth. Not starting and not going all the way. That's a BB. It is Beyond Borders. Okay. What country? I didn't write it down. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. All right. Well, we're going to go with the uh, we're going to go with the origins are Norway on that one. <laughs> Third one. The true path to victory is to find your opponent's weakness and make him suffer for it and to take his strength and use it against him until he finally falls or quits. That is not Beyond Borders because that's way too aggressive. You are correct. Do you know what it's from? <laughs> Is this all like one character or is it just? Um, I think it's a a couple different characters. Is it X-Men? No. Okay. Four. Yesterday is history. Tomorrow is a mystery. But today is a gift. That's why it's called the present. I recognize that. 
That's not Beyond Borders. No, it's not Beyond yeah, Borders. Yeah, because I recognize that. It's some silly character saying it, I'm pretty sure. I don't, I can't remember. It's going to kill me when I hear it, but I don't, I don't know. So the fifth one. We are noodle folk. Broth runs through our veins. I don't know what that's from. It's not Beyond Borders. You're correct. It's not Beyond Borders. It's not like Kung Fu Panda. It is. It is, Kung, it is Fu Kung Fu Panda. Panda. Okay, that that makes sense. I can, I can picture it now. It's my favorite character. I just like to say noodles. James <laughs> Hong. What a what a treat. Uh, yesterday's history, tomorrow's a mystery, but today is a gift. That's why it's called the present. Is what the turtle guy says. Right, that makes sense. Master Uguay. Congratulations. I think you got four points on that one. Did I? Yeah. Yeah, four out of five. Hey, guess what? Four out of five of these were from Kung Fu Panda. (laughs) Yeah. Well, some of them were very... Sorry, can you read me the the, really aggressive one again? The true path to victory is to find your opponent's weakness and make him suffer. I think... Is this Dustin Hoffman's little mouse boy? I don't remember what his name is. His mouse character? Master Shifu? Master Shifu, Yeah. yeah. Is he a mouse or like a cat or something? He's like a... He's like a like lemur. A, is he a lemur? Master Shifu, be very safe search on. He's a red panda. Red panda. Oh, okay, okay. That's what I was thinking, but I was like, I wasn't sure. He's just really gray. Love Master Shifu. You got Angelina Jolie. You got Jackie Chan. Who else is in that? <laughs> They're just there's there's another famous person. It's Snake, right? Is it Vin Diesel? Jack Black. <laughs> Oh, Mantis, Seth Rogen, that's right. That's oh, right. Lucy Lou's Viper. Yeah, of course. And David Cross, there's way more way more of them. Yeah, there's a lot of very famous there's people. There's two more of them than I thought there were. Once again, looking at a much better property. Yeah. Kung Fu Panda's pretty, pretty, pretty good. good. Pretty good. Pretty good. Okay, let's move on. All right. With our final wrap-up then, Daphne, where are you falling with the rating on that? This show sucks. It sucks. It really does. It's not good. No. I don't feel, I don't feel any obligation to give this any particular rating, really. I feel so much apathy about this show, yeah. other than the fact that I wish strongly to not watch it again. How about we give it like a disdainful 4.2 then and move on with our lives? Just think, I so many of these have been way more enjoyable. Even CSI Miami, I enjoyed watching more than this. I would agree. I think, yeah. I hope we can do a disdainful 4.2. Sample 4.2? All right. But I just, be Way careful. lower than either of our initial ratings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just be careful when we watch Criminal Minds, Suspect Behavior. God. Okay, with a disdainful 4.2... And an extra six points for Daddy. We will call it case closed on this one. Yeah. Friendship with Gary Sinise ended. Yeah. Mandy Patinkin's still my best friend. Yeah. Mandy Patinkin's my new best friend. Um, We're going rock climbing this weekend. Yeah. Is dead to me. We can maybe reevaluate after we watch CSI New York, but I don't know, man. I don't know, man. I feel like we're going to get a lot of, can we take that again, Gary's in that even. Daphne, where are we going next? Next time. We will be looking at... Another one of our favorites that we've seen way too much of. Hey. <laughs> and that would be Castle. Anyway. The show without a real theme song. It that's a th- that's that's it's just a little it's a stinger. It is it was cool for that time, you know? Alright, well we'll see you then. Uh, thanks for thank y'all for listening. Sorry uh, for this disaster of an episode. Oh, it, it's gonna be way worse when we're referencing Nathan Fillion problems constantly next time. Hey, Dan Brown, call us. Thanks for listening to Procedural Veneration. For feed updates and episode reveals, follow us on Instagram at procedural.veneration. Check out what else we do. Go to www.dank.pizza. Thanks to Jacob Kratulis for the awesome theme song. That pop is tough but sexy.